What's UI UX that actually stands out and gets noticed? Our friends at Reveal Eyes brought punchy personality to our SaaS 2022 look and feel, bringing the whole event to life, both on our website and in person. Go to revealize.com, that's R-E-V-E-A-L-I-Z-E.com for a free UI UX consultation today. Be judicious in cultures you want to be a part of. What you want to look about is, is the management. Can this company really be successful? Do they have the things in place here? How does this fit into the big thing? And, and prize culture over, over a title or pay. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaS Talk, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth, and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today, and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. All right, welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show. I'm your host, Alex Sumer, founder, CEO of SaaS Doc. Uh, delighted to be joined today uh, by Steve Lurie, who's the USA Growth and Biz Dev uh, at AppVisor and Chief Engagement Officer at, at B2B Rocks. Welcome, Steve. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, great to, great to have you here. Uh, and, and actually, we could flipping roles because I, I was on uh, your live show uh, what was it, about two months ago, maybe two, three months ago, and I really I struggled. And apologies for the tech, the tech issues there to kind of get get on to the, uh, to that live show. Um, but uh, yeah, pleased to have you uh, join uh, the SaaS Revolution show today. Great, yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. All good, all good. So, Steve, uh, um, tell us uh, for those that haven't uh, you you know met you before, haven't listened to your show, um, you know who you are. Who is Steve Lurie? Okay. Uh, well, listen, uh, I'm, uh, I'm old enough to have gray hair, so uh, I've been working in technology or around technology pretty much my whole adult life, uh, so that's around 30 years now, uh, and I was really fortunate to grow up in the Bay Area near Silicon Valley at the time when everything was kicking off in technology. So our family was actually like a test family for the first Apple IIs and the first Ataris, and, and then I got to be around a lot of these different entrepreneurs early on. Um, so that being said, um, having worked in the industry, having been around that, I've always been fascinated by technology and been kind of like uh, a tech observer. Um, so I kind of feel a little bit like a, a kind of a tech historian a little bit. Um, so that's part of it. And then uh, I've also had a really interesting experience, which is growing up there and then moving overseas and having lived and worked in France the last 20 years um, to see how um, the tech industry is is kind of fertilizing and creating new offshoots. And I think that's one of the things I'm really excited about and something I want to talk about a little about today. Awesome. Um, what brought you to France, Steve? Well, uh, so I was working in tech in 2001 when September 11th hit. Uh, and so I was selling into the aviation industry, which was absolutely the worst place to be when September 11th hit. And so yeah. I got back to work and I'd gotten successful, gotten to my six-figure salary. Uh, in Austin, Texas, which was a great place to be in the early 2000s and late 1990s. And, um, and then I could see it was all coming to an end. And so it was kind of like going to the next tech job in the US or uh, go check out France and learn uh, a new language with my wife, who was French at the time. And so I took a risk um, and never regretted it. So it's been um, learning a second language, living in a different culture, working with people with a different cultural background. Um, it, it's just added 
a lot of different layers uh, to how I see the world and, and uh, just keeps my brain stimulated, which is, you know, I think anyone who works in tech, they're kind of interested in keeping their brain stimulated. Indeed, indeed, or they, should, they certainly should be. And uh, I see a skateboard behind you, Steve. Are you a, a skateboarder for, for those that are listening on audio? I, yeah, I was a skateboarder. I also, I'm an avid mountain biker, but uh, I just don't fall as well as I used to. Yeah. So now my skateboard stays up on the wall and my mountain bike, I, I won't go anything over like like five degrees of, of steepness now. So I'm just, it's a good. Yeah, I've, I've, I mean, I've, I've never broken a bone in my life, but I feel like if I had any falls off a bike or a skateboard, which I, I, I don't go anywhere near uh, these days, I would definitely probably, uh, you know, uh, be of bone, uh, bone breaking material. Uh, and I, I've, I've had one big fall of a skateboard when I was a, a kid where pretty much my whole face scraped off on the on the pavement. But uh, yeah. luckily it, uh, it grew back and, uh, you, you know, here, here we are. But um, yeah, maybe that's why I'm... I guess skateboarding is not really a, a, like a thrill-seeking sport by by any means, but anything dangerous these days, like I'm just kind of like not into. Like, keep it safe. Well, and I and I have the huge advantage of being in France, where healthcare is is relatively inexpensive and abundant, and I still don't advise it. Just uh, no, I'm staying off. I'm taking it easy on wheels. I take it to go get uh, my bakery, my boulangerie in the morning. That's part of my morning routine. But other than that, that, that that's about it. No. Very cool. So, very good. So, so you, so you're, you're at Advisor, yeah. uh, and uh, so uh, you're leading sort of USA growth and business, uh, business development at Advisor, as well as Advisor acquired B two B Rocks, and uh, you know the, you're the chief engagement officer. We'll get into that, uh, but tell us a little bit about Advisor. You, you know, what do they do? What's the size of the company? Any metrics that you can share? You know, kind of around that. Sure. So Advisor is a media platform. Um, so it's an online medium platform. And it's basically, uh, we do a lot of content around the SaaS industry. Uh, and we help our SaaS partners basically grow their business. So we create visibility for them. Um, and additionally, they get leads by being referenced on our website. So, um, you know, you look at things like G2, where you can go to get reviews and, and see what companies are doing and compare different companies, kind of a similar thing, but we're more content focused. So we generate a lot of content. Um, so basically, you know, you might look at there might be an article talking about different business challenges and then referencing three different software tools that can help for that. And so we're, we're a little different from a lot of companies, which is historically we've been focused more on non-English markets. Mm -hmm. So for um, SaaS companies that are looking to grow in Europe, for example, in markets like German market or the French market or the Spanish market, the Italian market, which are the four big markets here, um, they would work with someone like us to create additional visibility. Um, and that's been really interesting because, one, there's no other person or group really focused on that niche. That's a unique niche is the, the secondary languages. And the other thing, too, which has changed recently, which is how we build SaaSes has changed. So, or, and how we build software and technology has changed, which is before we used to build a product. Like when I started in software, we built a product for the U.S. market. We proved ourselves in the U.S. market. And once we got successful enough, then we would look to go towards an international market and choose that international market carefully. But now what's happened with product-led growth is people are building a product that from day one very much is ready from like an infrastructure standpoint, thanks to cloud services uh, and a security standpoint and all these different ways to go in and payment systems. They can strap all this stuff together and put their value add on top. And so they're ready to go international much earlier. The question is, is you know, do, does their value pro proposition merit it? And increasingly, it does. 
Um, and so a lot of companies are, are, you know, European companies are looking to get to the U.S. earlier. And a lot of U.S. companies or North American companies are looking to get to Europe earlier. So it's, that's kind of like every other thing that's happening in our industry, everything's accelerating. Uh, and there's more possibilities. And now if you add the second layer to that, which is we can now hire remote employees more easily than ever before, uh, and talent uh, is finding fewer barriers. You know, there's just fewer barriers to hiring people. It's it's just an exciting time, and um, and so they brought me on to help the company and and uh, uh, with the U.S. market. And we kind of got sidetracked on B2B rocks, which I think we'll get to in a in a second. But we'll talk about that. Thanks for sharing that. So, uh, Appvisor media company helps SaaS companies get awareness, normally in secondary markets, usually yeah. through content. Uh, what is the revenue model there and uh, how do you measure success for the customers? So how do they come back to you and say, Steve, great campaign, we got leads or we got, you yeah. know, what are they looking at? Yeah. Well, the term, it's funny, I was just thinking about it right before our show and I think the term that encapsulates what we do and uh, it's always dangerous to coin a term yourself when no one else has heard of it. I call it <laughs> content-led growth. Um, so, you know, we know that, you know, a, com- a lot of companies use SEO and content to drive awareness about their products. And that's very much similar to our model, which is we're doing that. But it's actually more interesting to have a third party write about you than to write about yourself. Um, so that's kind of our model. And it's a paid for content model. Um, and then people, you know, it's, it's not hard to think. People measure that by leads. Typically, they're like, you know, how many leads did this thing generate out of there? Um, and so, um, so that's what, that's what it all boils down to. But we're very much complementary to increasingly companies are... I've really noticed that uh, most companies now are really focused on their having their own strong content strategy mm-hmm. in-house or by using external people. But they're doing something up on their website, on their blogs to or video to, to drive interest in their products. But then typically they're using secondary tools like uh, or like Google Ads or LinkedIn or something like that. So we're very much complementary in there. We would be another piece that fits right in there. Uh, and it's just another way to diversify that. And it's really simple. If they're not happy with the results, they typically don't come back. Um, And so uh, we've been in business now for, uh, I think, eight years, something like that. Um, We're around 50 people, um, full-time people, and and we keep growing. And and now we are increasingly seeing interest from uh, companies uh, who want to focus on the U.S. market as well, which is good for us. Awesome. Uh, very cool. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. And so, yeah, um, I was eight years old, so same age as Sastock, um, and um, uh, I didn't. I didn't know that. But uh, yeah, so you acquired or advisor acquired B two B Rocks uh, two years ago because uh, the first one was last year, right? Uh, obviously, because COVID, it kind of like, yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit more. It's like, what was B two B Rocks? Why did advisor acquire acquire it? And uh, tell us a little bit about the kind of the first experience. So you mentioned there's another one kind of coming up, but uh, and then also I know there's a lot of questions. Then like, why why would SaaS companies or media companies, you know, buy you know events and communities? Yeah, so. You know, it's it's funny. So um, SaaS is an international business sector now, right? Um, so we see there's offshoots of this, something that started 20, 30 years ago. Um, well, let me go back. Let me go back with B2B Rocks maybe a little bit. Let me start with that. So uh, uh, B2B Rocks was started about 10 years ago by a guy named Alex Delive, who was a venture capitalist here in France and, and kind of, uh, I think he's uh, in Paris. Um, mm-hmm. And it was really started as kind of a meet and greet networking event. 
Uh, and then it grew and it started developing an international focus with Australia and other countries. Like our biggest audiences are France, Australia, and England, but we very much have an international uh, audience. Our last event, we had like people from 30 countries, which considering it was the south of France is really good. Um, and then we, so AppVisor uh, bought B2B Rocks two years ago, um, this, something like that. I'm like you, I'm not very good on dates either. Uh, my, I can kind of remember my wife's anniversary, our anniversary and birthdays. So that's, that's good for me. <laughs> but something around two years ago. Um, and then we, um, we kind of shifted the focus. And what our goal was is to make it more international and really to make it like we think that SaaS and technology is a really unique thing. Um, and it's unique for so many reasons. One, um, it's rare to see an industry that's evolved so quickly um, and with so many talented people. And then also what, what's happening is, is that there's kind of a culture of people with the same mindset uh, that are developing around the world, independent of race, religion, sex, what have you. Um, and these people look at problems the same way. Uh, and they have a common uh, like reference points for dealing with things. And we think this is really an important thing uh, and because it takes kind of local people to solve local problems. It's hard for a guy like me, you know, you know, I have somewhat of a multicultural background, but for me to go into a place like Africa and create a great banking app for Africa. Um, so these concepts like of, of teaching these skills and these ways of thinking and, and then this spreading out around the world is really powerful. And to give you an idea of how powerful this is, in France, which is historically not a very entrepreneurial culture, this year uh, we saw that there was more startups uh, like per capita done in France than in other countries. And so increasingly, like that's changing even French culture to be more entrepreneurial as well. So this is really an important thing. So we bought the brand, we kind of shifted the brand, we rebranded it a little bit and focused more on the international, focused more on supporting that. And then, we, but we really align with, we just want to support SaaS growth. Uh, and that's good for us. It's good for our industry. It's good for AppVisor. Um, and it's also really a lot of fun. I mean, there's not an industry where you can meet so many uh, intelligent um, people like that. Um, and then we did, uh, last year we did a lot of content around this. We did some really innovative content and I was some of the, they let me do, they told me to come up with the ideas and I suggested really off the wall things and they actually went for it. Um, which shocked me. They're like, yeah, let's do that. And, uh, I felt like a little bit like a mad scientist. Uh, we were doing like asking people what their favorite rock song is since our name is B2B rocks and, and putting that and like our, you know, quick facts thing. And, and really interesting content and, and more video-focused content. And then we did our event, uh, which we did in the south of France, uh, in Montpellier. And um, yeah, if, just for com some context for the audience, Montpellier is kind of like a regional tech hub in the south of France. There's what we call the banana belt that strings from Italy all the way from France, southern France, into Spain. Um, and Montpellier is a big part of that. But it was really... It's not really, it's unheard of to have an event of that size outside of Paris in France. Um, so we had over 2,000 people from 30 countries. It was a two-day event. Um, I had a lot of fun. I got a terrific sunburn, which took me about uh, three days or maybe a week to recover from. Uh, and, and so that, that's what we did there. And, and we're going to be doing the event again this year. 
so we'll be doing the event this year. We're going back to Paris. Uh, so September uh, 21st in Paris at Station F. Um, yep. And so the event will be back on, and, and we're really looking forward to that and getting ready and starting to spin up all the, the machine to, to get that going. Awesome. Uh, good stuff. Thank, thanks for sharing that. Though. Um, and yeah, actually, with the positioning of AppVisor, you talk about the international uh, content element. It, it makes sense now because I, I was at B2B Rocks, uh, lucky enough to uh, uh, have spoken there. Um, and I did notice that the, there, was, there was a lot of like panels and um, you know, even like the, the video content with uh, various different countries like Middle East or Brazil and so on. And at the time, I, I, I didn't quite know, uh, uh, you know necessarily why, but now uh, I, I definitely get it. So strategically makes sense. And uh, uh, yeah, so was the, uh, the, the sunburn and the out, outdoor factor uh, any, any factor in moving back to Paris or just, just you, you know, is it just kind of obvious thing like you need to be in Paris and there's a reason that there are no uh, events in Paris? What yeah, you know, it, it really just came up to uh, Station F, and uh, and a lot of different uh, associations and 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 government bodies in Paris tried pushed us towards Paris, and yeah. so you know yeah. we rented the the giant like moss like the country farm estate where we were at last time. It was a really interesting event because you were talking and there were horses. You could look <laughs> out to your right and left and see horses at B two B Rocks. It was pretty relaxing. It was very different um for most tech events and and a lot of people liked it um that that kind of thing. But so but just um that just we've gotten a lot of people just pushing us towards paris and so we won't have to rent they're going to offer up station f free um which is I, th I, th I think it's free i'm not sure about that, no, okay. that. but <laughs> but there's we in any case we've we've gotten some advantages to going back to paris and um so we'll we'll be doing it there this year Good stuff. All right. Well, uh, I know that today we wanted to talk about, uh, and that there, there, there has been a lot of talk in the last two quarters, I would say, and continues about the headwinds that tech and SaaS, you know, is facing. And in some respects, um, you see a lot of uh, social media or written content where it, it's painted in a, a kind of a negative light, right? I mean, a recession is kind of, the connotations are quite negative and layoffs and so on and all the challenges that, you, you know, we're kind of facing. But you yourself, um, as you told me today, you're excited actually uh, uh, about this. In, in, in a way, I'm sure you'll, you'll get the concept. Yeah. So, and and, and you, you see opportunities within this. So we kind of want to dig into that. So tell me a little bit, and obviously a, a, a comment on the, the excitement or the level of excitement about having headwinds and what you think the opportunities are and why? Yeah, I guess, I guess, um, <clears throat> first of all, I don't want to underestimate or the human cost. I mean, when people lose their jobs, that's always a traumatic experience. And, and, and so, you know, that's not fun. And, um, so to all those people out there, you know, <laughs> take that, but all this should be taken with a grain of salt. But I guess the point is, is that, um, uh, there's a movie I know called Being There, and uh, the guy is a bit of a simpleton, the protagonist, and he always talks about um, how life is like a garden. So you have spring, then summer, then fall, then winter, and you have to cut back the plants so that things regrow better. And so when you cut back a plant, an offshoot on a plant, often more buds will sprout from that same thing. And I just wanted to provide a little bit a historical perspective on this, which is, uh, you know, having been around tech an awful long time, I was working in the industry like when the dot bomb um, event happened. So, I mean, there were like petfood.com, uh, which was a company with no business model. 
I mean, selling pet food, it's just why would I order it online and pay delivery charges when I could just pick it up at the grocery store? It just wasn't a very well out thing. There was other things, drcoop.com. There were uh, more serious technical companies like Aether Technology um, or Aether Systems, which ran through 200 million, which never had a workable business idea. And what we saw after that is that there was a rapid maturing of uh, the internet and these people. And the first thing people said was, what's your business model? How are, how, how are you going to make money? Um, and then uh, much the same thing happened in 2002, three, 2002 and 2003. So we had a recession there. Um, I think it was 2002, 2003. Uh, yeah, OK, that was that was one recession. And there was also 2008 and 2009. So each time yeah. we've seen these deep recessions in our industries where people have cut back and where investment has been cut back. Well, what we see each time is there's been a rapid maturation of our industry. And, and I guess what's, what's really impressed me about our industry now, especially SaaS, is I think like the people I'm talking to are remarkably sophisticated. Um, and then, um, so w- what we're seeing is like, uh, just the, the, the focus on details. And then there's all these other things that are happening. Um, so, you know, there's increased, there's talent. So as I was mentioning, it's now a worldwide culture. So we see talent around the world. Um, and so there's a lot cross fertilization, like there's a lot of Indians that like spun out of Soho that then went back to the US and started companies there. Then there's people from the US that went back to India and like in Chennai now are starting companies in Chennai. So there's also this cross fertilization that's happening. Um, and this happened in a really short time of 20 to 30 years. Um, and not only that, but now what we're seeing is the funding is maturing. Um, so earlier, most of the funding, most of the VC groups were in the US. Now we see that, for example, Great Britain has a huge, uh, you know, of course, Great Britain has always been strong in finance in general, but there's a, there's a huge funding arms in Great Britain. Increasingly on the European continent, that's the same. Uh, Israel, Northern Europe, there's no region now that really doesn't have capital. Um, and, and the breadth of that capital is extending, whereas, whereas like before, there were only like a few funds in the world that could maybe do unicorn rounds. Now, increasingly, there's more and more funds that are doing unicorn rounds. And we've gotten to the point where the funding is, is so much that we, we talk about dry powder, that there's a lot of companies with, sitting on dry powder. Um, and I think, I think one, of the, one of the things we're going to see about this, how things are going to shift, is I think there's going to be uh, more startups coming. I think it's like, you know, it, it, people are going to look to now vertically integrate more of the model instead of always going out and finding startups. Um, it's kind of like before we were like more of a pharmaceutical model where we're waiting through to get through and like, oh, they get through and then we fund it. And I think people are going to focus more on the front end of the funnel now because there's just there's a dearth of opportunities for people to put their money. And what's interesting about this is people are being laid off right now. Some of these people have made money. Many of them have added tremendous skills. A lot of these people now are going to go start their own companies. So... There's this, this shift in this perspective, perspective where we used to talk about minimum viable product, but now increasingly we're talking about minimum viable markets because with things like no code and low code, a couple people can get together and create a solution that can serve a niche problem that can be a very important, lucrative niche problem in, in a smaller market. Um, and create a lot of value for those people and that industry and disrupt that industry. 
So it's it's a really I think it's really an exciting time. Uh, and then you add things like machine learning, AI on top of that. Um, so I, I think uh, this I think this may be actually. You know, I think be, we always say one door shut, another one opens. And uh, I've always been a firm believer in this industry, having watched it over 30 years, it's always proven out. Um, and so I'm kind of really excited about it. I wish I were a little younger, so I'd get to appreciate it. But I'm trying to train my, my oldest son to become an entrepreneur. I'm trying to push him in that direction. So we'll, we'll cross our fingers and hopefully that'll Good. work out. Good stuff. Yeah. I, I, I wonder there, actually, and I'm, I'm sure it's the case that how many people either in tech or, you know, entrepreneurs uh, actually become, I don't know, like tiger mums uh, where, you, you know, for, for their kids to try and push them to be, become <clears throat> entrepreneurs, um, you, you know, uh, uh, as well, just as a side note. But to some of your points, um, yes. So, uh, and, and thinking about the, those that are listening, so like you're a SaaS founder, a SaaS company, this is an opportunity in what we're seeing in the market that uh, people are cutting the stems of, of their plants, the plants sure. being, you know, the companies and, you know, looking at how to be more efficient, you know, across everything, across spend, across the team, getting, you know, unfortunately or maybe fortunately rid of, you know, poor performers mm -hmm. and, be, be, you know, being forced to kind of really look at the business and see, like, what do we really need here? Um, you know, maximum efficiency, uh, I, I think, is, is what's needed, you know, at this time. Uh, and um, that's the opportunity, you, you know, for the SaaS companies to really, you, you know, focus on become, uh, having this maximum efficiency and then grow back and grow back stronger to that maturation, um, you, you know, uh, uh, as you say. And I saw um, a tweet, I think to your point, a little bit about the Zoho side of things and also those that have been laid off. Um, uh, and I, I can't remember, was, I was speaking about it the other, uh, the other week, but I saw a tweet, I think today, from Nick Franklin from Chartmogul, um, and uh, I think he, he mentioned something about, uh, and it's a bit of a joke, but uh, there's some seriousness in it that, you know, Chartmogul's growth strategy this year is that hoping that you know, all the people that are laid off will start up a business, uh, a SaaS business, and yeah. start to use Chartmogul uh, and you'll see many new uh, SaaS startups, you know, created with all the people that are, you know, now in the market and thinking about what do we do as the kind of the, the, the next move. So, uh, yeah, I think we we will certainly see that new wave of SaaS companies. And as you say, with the with the investors, especially in the early stage, they've got a lot of capital to deploy. And, you know, maybe, you know, it's a good time to start a SaaS business, um, you, you know, potentially better, uh, better than uh, uh, than ever. Um, so looking at it from that positive side of things. Well, that's actually a really that would be that would be a, a devilishly smart idea. Like if you're someone like Salesforce.com and you're going to be laying off your people, and Salesforce.com, you know, they could give access to their platform to the people they're going to be laying off, um, and then they also have their own application development environment and cloud environment, and you know, they could give people, you know, like a year's free credits to go build a business there. Like, hey, if you worked with us and you know this ecosystem and you want to, you know, take your hand, you know, that's it's not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, we often see people that work at one company, they create a company that, that works well with that company and plays off of that. So uh, that's a really interesting idea. Uh, we'll, see, we'll, see, we'll see after this podcast if there is a wave of companies going out with you know, offers to those that are uh, you, you know, on the market. Similar like when, um, when, when COVID was uh, you, you know, happening or that, that kind of the first year, 
that there were all these kind of offers to companies that were kind of struggling and reductions in pricing and so on, and everybody was kind of doing it. Um, you know, maybe there'll be something similar here uh, uh, where you know we'll take the credit for, but you know, via Nick uh, Nick from Chart Mogul. Um, I, want, I want the credit for content-led growth. Yeah, uh, that, yeah. That, that term I just came up. But you know, I saw at Sastock this year when I was there, and and by the way, that was a great event uh, in Dublin. And the thing that I was really aware of is that. There was already a focus on getting back to basics. Um, a lot of people were really focused on uh, like, you, you know, the, the, the focus on core metrics like your, your customer acquisition costs, your total lifetime value. Um, just people were laser focused on that. I think the other thing that was really impressive is that, that the focus on bootstrapping and alternative financing. People wanted to maintain control of their business because I think there was a lot of reasons. There's one, they want the payout at the end if they're going to be putting in the sacrifice. But also, I think they feel like the more control they have, um, the fewer distractions they have. It takes a lot of time and energy to get engaged with venture capitalists. Um, and so there was that aspect. So people really... Um, Already, there was a certain urgency and focus on that. And then I think now that we're seeing these headwinds, that's only doubled and redoubled down. So I think uh, it's, a, it's a really um, interesting thing. And uh, yeah, so uh, the other thing I was, I was expecting to say, I had a few predictions that I made earlier on. I said we'd see more M&A activity and more startups. Mm -hmm. um, and we have seen more M&A activity, and, uh, but, but financing is off for the bigger things. So the bigger things are off. Uh, and I think f for me, if, if you're in this sector, I think going back and starting a company, it's a really good time. If, if you're kind of a down cycle on the heavy financing and the big IPOs and that stuff, go back time to, to, to focus on that. And it's, it's, it's never been a better time to, to be focusing on these basics. Good stuff. Um, a quick question about SaaS stock. Um, I'll, I'll throw it in there. You mentioned uh, what was your favorite thing uh, uh, about the conference uh, last year, if you had one? Well, uh, I had never been to Dublin uh, before. Uh, liked it. So, so I love Dublin. Uh, and I realized that the Irish uh, are natural marketers because they're just natural storytellers. Mm hmm. So they, they've just got a good story for everything. I'm not sure their history is any much is any richer than anybody else's, but they tell such a good uh, yarn or crack, I guess, as they call it uh, yeah. up there. And um, so that was definitely one of the things. Uh, and I've, I've found Dublin to be really dynamic city mm. uh, as far as startup and entrepreneur. I wasn't expecting that, but I, I didn't know anything much about it, but I just expected to be kind of a backwater thing i just don't think of ireland like that yeah there. and then i think at the end event um i think i was um i got to participate in uh some of the events um and in, in some of the panels uh or one panel i think it was uh and and i think it was really interesting to participate in a panel and and um really engage with people i think that's the thing that's event is we're in an industry that moves so fast and we all spend so much time in front of screens and then when we're not in front of screens, we're in front of screens trying to educate ourselves and improve our skill sets. And I think what we fail to appreciate sometimes is that it's it's still a very human industry. It's an industry that's um, that's driven by personalities, uh, by narratives about powerful people. Um, and um, and I think when you go and meet some of these people, uh, it's important to meet them, ping them with questions. And I th also think that there's there's a networking aspect, and there's also a demystification aspect, which is you're like, yeah, okay, he was really successful, but um, I don't see him as being head and shoulders uh, 
I don't see why I couldn't do some of those same things. Um, and so I think the, those events are, you know, I, I think the, the, the events in, in a digital industry, I think human events are just really important. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we had the, I had the same experience uh, at B2B Rocks. Uh, last year was the same thing, which was um, all these people that I had met digitally or I was, you know, LinkedIn acquainted with over LinkedIn. I got a chance to meet them. And with some of them, I was even able to spend a little bit of time, although not too much because I was very busy. Um, you know about that. Um, and, uh, and it's just such a great experience. Um, and there's, you know, there, these people for me, I think are the people of our industry are just really stimulating. Um, so that's, that's the part I like, I guess is the people the, the most. So, I mean, yeah, hundred percent the same. Um, like I, I have the benefit through my job, the same, the same as you obviously organizing, you know, the conference, we do other things through the year, you know, founder retreats and, you, you know, even some virtual stuff. But certainly when we're in person, you, you know, uh, I like that the most. And just hanging around with entrepreneurs in person, like, it's pretty cool. And that's my job, you know, and like, I like yeah, it. And I, exactly. I get to hang out with cool people. And I get I, paid I for this. Things. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, sometimes I get... Like, um, that's only a small bit of grief, like at home, that it's like, oh, I was in the Amalfi Coast for two days, you, you know, uh, uh, hosting 30 founders and yeah, had a good time, but it was work. And then, you, you know, at home, it's, I've got to be careful about <clears throat> what, what I can say, like, uh, around that because, um, yeah, because sometimes it just looks like I'm out for a jolly, right? And yeah. it, it's not the case. I'm just having fun, but with work. And so I feel like I've got, you know, for me, the greatest job in the world. If you love what you do, then, you know, that, that, um, uh, that, that massively helps, right? So, yeah. Well, uh, just a quick anecdote. The, the other event I've done similar to SESTA can be to be rocks is, of course, SESTER, which is well known. And um, and the, 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 the thing I don't like about that is the last time I went there, it was I think it was in Cupertino or someplace in, in the South Bay. And uh, when you get to the parking lot, it is a sea of uh, white Teslas. San Mateo. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a sea of white Teslas. Uh, and so, um, I kind of like the fact that there's a little, it's in town and you don't see quite so many white Teslas. I love Tesla, a great brand, but, um, uh, not, white, that, not white ones. It was, no, it, a, it, it was also a sea of white tents and, uh, I think yeah. somebody called it COVID chic. Um, but, <laughs> COVID uh, chic. yeah, but, uh, anyway, yeah. Mo mo moving swiftly on, yes. um, uh, we were in the quick fire rounds, Steve. Okay. So what one thing has moved the needle the most for you in your career? Mentors. I wish I had had uh, some great mentors. Uh, I wish I'd had more. I wish I'd had time, more time with them, and I wish I'd stayed with them longer. It's a hard thing. No like, how, do, how do you get mentors? Like, how does, how, if somebody's looking for a mentor, how do you go about it? Because it's, it's not easy, right? No, it's really not. And I think, um, I think as men, we're fortunate in that uh, we professionally, I think because there's more men in our industry, we tend to maybe bond with men. And so we get some mentoring through other men. And I think that's one of the things that have held back women in our industry is that it's male. It's hard to find a woman mentor and I don't, not necessarily that they need one, but I don't know. And I think that's a really important aspect. Uh, and it's something as a manager, I've always tried to just encourage people and tell them like, you know, this is, and tried to mentor people. But I was very fortunate early on. I'm going to give a shout out to this guy. His name is Mike Lose. He was my CTO very early on. Brilliant guy. Also, in addition to a CTO, great uh, sales mind as well. Uh, great sales engineer because you have to do everything when you're early in tech. And he kind of uh, took me under his wing a little bit and um, just, you know, said, slow down, little bull. You know, let's walk down the hill instead of running down the hill. And, um, and uh, he was just great. 
And uh, I wish I'd had more people like him and more time with people like him over my career. Best advice you ever received? Listen, listen. Um, I think I started out my career as a salesperson. Um, and so I'm a natural speaker. I can fill up any room. I can project my voice across the room easily. Best skill you can have is listening. Um, and, and really actively listening, showing people you're interested in what they're saying. I've, I can't tell you how many salespeople, even really experienced salespeople, I've seen going into a sales pitch without understanding what the customer's or the prospect's needs are or what their pain is or even why they're talking to them today or listening to them today. Um, so I just think listening is probably um, the most underappreciated, underpracticed skill in every industry, but especially in our industry, it's critically important. Biggest failure you've made and lesson learned from that? Jeez, there have been so many failures. Uh, the biggest, I think, I think, jeez, um, biggest failure. Lesson I learned from that. I think um, be judicious in companies you choose. Be judicious in, in companies you want, to, cultures you want to be a part of. I think early on, I really wanted to work in tech and I was willing to work for any company in technology. And, and sometimes I put title over company culture. Um, and it's not your, your, you know, what you want to look about is, is the management. Uh, can this company really be successful? Do they have the things in place here? Um, how does this fit into the big thing? And, 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 and really just prize culture over, over a title or pay. Don't, don't the short term, just sometimes, uh, doesn't always pan out. Um, next question is, what does your daily routine look like? I know you go to the boulangerie in the morning. What do you get there? And what does the rest of the day look like? So, yeah, I, so I actually don't eat much bread in the morning, but my wife insists that I go get bread in the morning, which right now it's pretty cold in France. So uh, that's, that's tough. So I go out there. Um, then I have my coffee. Uh, and then um, I, I walk my dog. I'm very fortunate to have a park next door and I have a little Shiba Inu. So we spend a few minutes walking in the park. I think it's really important to reconnect to nature as much as possible, again, working in a digital industry. Um, and then uh, really kind of fortunate, I, I, uh, I work about three quarters of the time because I also have a, a, an aged parent that I care for. Um, so my days are, are actually pretty light um, as far as workload. And I also live in the south of France, which compared to an American job is almost being partially retired. Uh, so, um, so light workload and, uh, and lots of networking and talking with people and, and I, I'm really fortunate. Um, they call me, um, at AppVisor and B2B rocks, they called me their, their free electron. <laughs> and so they're like anything they're like, not sure about, or they need someone who's kind of a, a thinker to think about, they give it to me to think about. Um, and so the notion of work of producing something all the time isn't a requisite for that job. But what they want is something in the end, which they find useful and impactful. Mm. Um, and so that's a really good job. So uh, we have a great working relationship. I've never had anyone prize me for that before. Um, and I think we all have a unique skill set. And, um, you know, I'm, I've read thousands of books on marketing, sales, business strategy, Sun Tzu. I mean, I've read, you know, I read the canons uh, and I also have a background in literature and Greek and Roman history and all these things. And so uh, I look at things and sometimes can bring a perspective that 
very few other people and especially young people can bring to that, especially if they've only studied in sales or marketing or have a technical background. Cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. Sounds good. Uh, Steve, we'll come to the end of the show. Um, if people that are listening, if they want to find you online, they want to watch your own show, yeah. uh, where can they find you? Uh, like uh, Time to kind of drop that in. Okay. So uh, we're on LinkedIn. So my name is Stephen Lurie. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, and uh, you can find me on there easy enough. Uh, our, our group, again, our community is called B2B Rocks. Again, we're on LinkedIn. Uh, and then we tend to live stream on Twitch and LinkedIn. Um, so you can come there. And right now we're on hiatus and we should be back in a couple of weeks. Cool. Good stuff. Steve, uh, been great speaking to you. Thanks for being a guest on the SaaS Revolution show. No doubt we'll see you at B2B Rocks and uh, SaaS Talk again uh, this year. And uh, yeah, uh, really enjoyed it. And uh, uh, thanks for being a great guest. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world. Want exclusive SAS content and actionable insights to grow your SAS? Join our community of over 36,000 SAS founders at sasdoc.com.